0: How would you blow your
1: nose? I can't. You
0: can't blow your nose?
1: I can't blow air out of my nose. Ever? Like, hard. I can, like, breathe out. What
0: happens if you do it? Nothing. What do you mean, nothing? (laughs) Nothing. Feel like this.
1: I can't. But, like,
0: how? What do you mean you can't?
1: I've, like, never been able to blow my nose.
0: When was the last time you tried?
1: Like, last year, when I had a cold. What happens? Nothing. No, but like something happened. No, literally nothing happened.
0: So but air is coming out. Yes. So something's happening.
1: Yeah, air comes out. But I can't get like boogers to come out.
0: <laughs> <I'm> sorry what?
1: <laughs> boogers. Boogers? Yeah. <laughs> what? Are you a bugger person? Oh, you know
0: what? Actually, I think I am booger as well. Yeah. But it sounded so crazy. I I don't use either word i i don't think i've used them in like a decade but then when you said boogers it sounded so wrong but i think that's what i would say as well you like plug one of your nostrils when you do it what do you mean when you're blowing your nose no try doing one
1: why would i do that
0: that's how you blow your nose
1: and then sometimes my ears pop and it sucks
0: okay but i think you just don't know how to blow your nose and everyone on our listening audience who hears the sniffles all day long, and for those of us who have to edit it, would be very happy if you see <laughs> if you tried to blow your nose. Well, you don't have to do it on the podcast. Oh, no. she's blowing her nose. This is we're keeping all of this in now. No, we're not. You've never blown your nose before. That blows my mind. But not your nose. <laughs> this is the worst podcast effort. You didn't even try I did. You tried for- I'm
1: just more stuffed up than I
0: was. Okay, I'll narrate what's happening. She took a Kleenex, put it to her nose, then shook her face <laughs> like a dog that got sprayed with a hose, and then just threw the Kleenex away. She's like, no, not doing it. You, I can tell from here you're doing it wrong. <laughs> I didn't know you could blow your nose wrong, but you're doing it. All ten of her fingers are touching her nose while she's doing this. This is mind-boggling. How <laughs> oh, have you never blown your nose before?
1: I just can't. Okay. <laughs> Back.
0: Oh, well. Does
1: this change how you feel about me? <laughs> well, I'm,
0: I am shocked that you've never blown your nose before.
1: It's just never worked.
0: I think you haven't given it a proper shot because from what I just saw... Yeah, that wouldn't work for me either. That's not how someone blows their nose. How do you blow your nose? <laughs> well, okay. You know what? <laughs> I, I will teach you after this, but I think we should get on with our podcast. This is enough? Yeah. Okay,
1: perfect.
0: <laughs> all right, everyone. Welcome. Uh, my name is Indy Randala, and with me is the perpetually stuffed up Samantha Hughes.
1: True. Hello, Indy. I just breathe out of my mouth all the time.
0: Yeah, that's the, you shouldn't. I I don't know. I I don't know if there's anything wrong with it, but the one thing I can say that is wrong with it is it makes it much harder for me to edit this podcast because you sniffle so
1: much. I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> the thing about this podcast is it's called "I Love This." You should too. I did a little purd happily in how I oh yeah, introduced right.
1: it. <laughs> I like it. I like it because of course we're talking about Parks and Recreation today.
0: Yes, so Samantha had never seen Parks and Recreation, and last week I very confidently predicted that she would not just like it, but love it. So we have to get to it right now. Samantha, I love this. Did you?
1: I like The Office better. You lie! (laughs) I'm kidding. I loved it. I it. I it. (laughs) I loved it so much. I
0: was ready to argue harder than I've argued in all of this show.
1: No, I uh, I loved it. We just watched like two episodes, and I might have cried. You sent me a YouTube video. To- I've cried a lot today, and it's all been Parks and Recreated.
0: That's what this show does.
1: <laughs> I just I yeah I love those characters and the situations and the writing and little Sebastian and everything about it ever. It's
0: it's a great show except for Craig. Okay, we'll get to it. <laughs> yeah, so when I made the prediction, I didn't know. Well, I know because I know you. But today I did know, in fact, that you loved it because we've been watching this entire series together. And more than one time you said that this is the best show that's ever been created. <laughs> it's true. You said, how have I lived my life without watching this? So you, I was pretty confident coming into this episode now. Yeah. So you listed so many things that you loved about it. And I had watched it all the way through maybe once, I think. Mm -hmm. And upon this viewing, it only reinforced what I already thought. I feel like seasons two through six were pretty much as good as a sitcom can be. Mm -hmm. Uh, It featured characters who made us laugh and whose lives we also felt invested in. It's not just uh, cheap laughs that you don't really care about it afterwards. Yeah. I wanted success for pretty much everyone here. And we do often compare it to The Office because it was originally going to be just a spin-off of The Office. And it right. was going to be Rishia Jones's character doing her own thing. And I'm glad they changed it how they did. But I think The Office is a show about working despite the different types of idiots that are holding you back all the time Mm -hmm. but parks and rec is a show about succeeding with the help of your friends yes and it's just so much more of an optimistic take on the world Mm -hmm. and i always say that i don't want those light fluffy shows but i love this and i think there's an important distinction because this isn't without substance it is light and optimistic but there's a Not a heaviness to it, but there's a substantialness to... That's not a word. Substantialness?
1: Substantiality? Yeah, sure. (laughs) Uh,
0: There's more to it. It's not just fluff. It is light and optimistic, but it carries a certain gravity to it as well. There's so many shows that are light, but you kind of hate the people. Or they're just not good people if you actually knew them. Like -hmm. like The Office or... I always talk about friends because I don't care for friends at all. I would hate all of those people. And I think they're bad people, even though you're like, oh, I love this character. If you were actually friends with someone like that, they would drive you crazy.
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: And I do like shows where people are terrible if they're called out on it. Mm -hmm. Like uh, Always Sunny in Philadelphia, I like quite a bit because they're all bad people. But that's the point of the show is they are bad and they deal with repercussions of being terrible. Yes. Here you get to see people not being good but becoming good and reaping the benefits of that Mm -hmm. and that's not something we see all that often
1: true very true okay well that's the podcast because indy summed it up very nicely
0: (laughs) no that was my introduction of why i like it Uh (laughs) but now we get to break it down
1: break it down
0: and i think what it's going to be a lot of is less about like themes and remember when this happened oh my god it was so great we're gonna do a lot of that probably Mm -hmm. So if you haven't
1: seen Parks and Rec, this episode is going to make no sense to you.
0: Yeah, and also go watch it. It's all on Amazon currently. In some countries, it's on Netflix. Uh, You can call me up and I'll lend it to you. That works too.
1: (laughs) It's like a warm blanket on a cold winter's day.
0: There you go. I think that's what was on the season three DVD box set.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Parks and Rec. It's like a warm blanket on a cold winter's day. There you go. So one of the things I think I mentioned earlier is that the show does have a bit of a change in tone, probably going from season two into season three. Mm -hmm. And although I like season one, I think it's a very good show. It's not nearly as good as the rest. Uh, There are some characters who show up and there's a definite change in tone, which I think really serves the show.
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: Because at the beginning, uh, people like, like Tom. Tom was just like an asshole version of Jim Halpert. Mm -hmm. He was kind of that like, oh, I don't care about this. I'm too cool for this. Yeah. But he was more of a dick than Jim was. Yes. So he was, he was downright unlikable Mm -hmm. for the first two seasons. Yeah, they didn't
1: develop him in a way that made you want to continue watching his storyline. I think that season three, he really kind of fills out his character and becomes a lot more Maybe likable isn't quite the word, because he definitely gets more likable towards the end of the series. Yes. But I think that he starts to become more of a real person and not just like a character.
0: Or even if he is still like a caricature, he's a different one and a more dynamic one. And I'd agree that he's one that doesn't really get to be a likable character much later into the show. Yeah, exactly. Even Leslie in the first two seasons, she's just a Michael Scott she's the butt of jokes she says like uncomfortable things Mm -hmm. she's kind of racist in some of the things she says to tom yeah here and there and that's just not the character that we grow to love later Mm -hmm. on so i'm glad they figured that out it was, it was just more like The Office in so many ways. Yes,
1: it was too much like The Office in so many ways.
0: And it didn't do the things that The Office was doing well. It just seemed kind of like a clone of it. Even mm-hmm. how it was shot was more of the mockumentary style.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm glad they kind of moved away from that and towards the end of the show.
0: Yeah, it's always the style of the show, but they, they refine it and it looks more like a standard show mm-hmm. than, than The Office is. Yes. But I think along with it becoming less cynical and these characters becoming more likable, one great thing about it is when you have them starting off at this point, it provides room for growth. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what we get here. Because if Leslie was the season five Leslie right at the beginning, maybe we'd be bored of her.
1: Yeah, there wouldn't have been as much room for her to kind of grow and change, which is like what the show is really about. I enjoy in season three when she stops kind of being in her mom's shadow. There's like a – in the beginning of the show, she's kind of in her mom's shadow who also works for the government and she's very much trying to impress her and it doesn't seem – Like, there's any room in that storyline for her mom to be impressed by her, really.
0: Right. And yeah, now that you mention it, we just really stopped seeing her mom after a while. We did.
1: And I'm glad that that was something that they cut, because it felt very needy, and it never would have resulted in Leslie, like, being her own person and succeeding at all the things that she ends up succeeding at later in the show.
0: Definitely. Maybe we should start off with talking about Leslie Nope, who's really the driving force of the whole show. Yes,
1: she is. So, Leslie Nope, played by Amy Poehler. I didn't really understand where her character was going to go in the first season.
0: No, or because... Or how
1: old she was.
0: You're very excited right now. What do... Tell me about this. So,
1: I couldn't figure out in the first season if she was, like, 45 or if she was, like, 25. It was okay. very hard to tell. And I, like, there was no real defining storyline that kind of told you how old she was until she kind of came into the whole, um, like Ben and, and, uh, Leslie kind of love story. It was easier to tell how old Ben was.
0: Yeah. And I think her romantic relationships, like, grew with her because in the first season, she's kind of, like, infatuated with Mark Brandanowitz. hmm who is a very forgettable character. Yes.
1: I actually kind of forgot about him.
0: Yeah, and he's not he's not a bad character, mm-hmm. but he didn't fit with where the show was going, and neither did the idea of a character of, like Leslie, being infatuated because of one night they spent together. Mm-hmm. That didn't seem to fit her character, or at least where her character was went. Exactly. So I'm yeah. really glad that changed, and we get some much better relationships for her as, as it goes on. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and she's more relatable as, like, a young woman in politics or, like, a younger woman in politics um, as the series goes on because they kind of define her age and they move her forward into kind of age-appropriate things like going on dates and dating guys and trying to learn her role in the government and figure out what her ambitions are.
0: Yeah, and I love... Her ambition is her driving force throughout this. And... What makes me like her, and I still find her like not my favorite character on the show, but a great character. And it's because she's different from all those other like strong women Mm -hmm. you see on uh, TV shows. And I'm going to put like quotes every time I say strong woman, it's in quotes, because that is a an archetype that people are trying to fulfill and doing it usually quite poorly. Mm -hmm. In other ones, that strength often comes out on screen as portraying masculine attributes. That's usually how strong is played on screen. Yes. For women. And this one is very different because she's driven, but not cold nor malicious. She's fun and quirky, but she's not that like pixie dream girl or anything like Mm -hmm. that. She has girly interests, but she doesn't fall into those tropes about like being a princess or being a shopaholic. She's able to derive her strength from her feminine attributes, or again, feminine and masculine are all in quotes, but what's usually considered to be feminine traits in leadership positions on TV and in the real world are seen as being weaker. And she flips that. She doesn't have to take on any traditionally masculine characteristics to be strong. She derives that strength from more traditionally feminine characteristics like Inclusivity, focusing on the relationships that she builds with people. She doesn't seek credit. She's maternal to her co-workers. And her goal is often helping others and not just being defined as a success. Right. And she shows, like, not just women in politics, but, like, any fully fleshed out human that you can have these characteristics of a of a caring nurturing person Mm -hmm. and be successful and that's even if i don't love the character and love her storylines as much that's a great representation to have on screen
1: yes absolutely
0: where does leslie rank on the characters that you like is she one that you really loved
1: um yes I think she really pulls the show together. Oh, of course. So I, I have a very hard time, I think, separating her from the show itself. Um, some of the other characters I could probably rate better, like, like be able to kind of separate my love of the show from my love of them. But I think that Leslie is is the show to me. So I think that I have a very hard time reading her because I love this show. So I, I love Leslie no.
0: Me too. And you're absolutely right. The things that she embodies are the things that this show embodies. Yes. Like Amy Poehler is Parks and Rec.
1: But I couldn't say number one or, right, you right. know, like I, she is Parks and Rec. So Parks and Rec is the best.
0: <laughs> is there anything about her character that you didn't like?
1: Um, Those first two seasons were kind of a little rough on her um i think she relies a lot more on kind of the men in the office or the shenanigans of others (laughs) and she doesn't quite have her own um like her own motivations for stuff she kind of seems a little bit like that girl who just wants to be popular
0: yeah i'd agree with that Mm -hmm. she's driven but to no end at the beginning yes she's just going out there and is kind of scatterbrained and has a lot of enthusiasm but like what does she really want exactly and throughout the series as it develops and maybe maybe we're being hard on the first two seasons i think we're being fair but maybe it's almost intentional that as she grows she kind of gains that focus Mm -hmm. and figures out what she wants but it's definitely more clear later on
1: oh absolutely and i i I think that it's a little bit hard at the beginning of the show to get her. But towards the end, she's absolutely, like, the driving force of everything. Yeah.
0: She's just, like, a hero at the end of this show. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And I can't believe I went this long without knowing more about her. kind of embarrassed, actually. About
0: the character or about Amy Poehler?
1: About the character. Yeah. Because, like, I remember seeing... The, like, campaign sign that was, like, the Obama campaign sign. The nope one. Yeah. In. And I I remember seeing that. And I don't know why that immediately didn't make me interested in the show. But it's like, oh, it's like that Parks and Rec show. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Seven seasons seems like a lot to, like, take on.
0: Right. And uh, just before doing this, because it's been a while since we actually yes. finished re- watching it. We watched two episodes to kind of refresh, and I had to pull you away because you wanted to start watching them all over again. I just
1: wanted to keep going. <laughs> it's so
0: good. It's
1: like a fun world. It's such a fun world. Is there anything you don't like about Leslie Nope? Were there any moments that you just like couldn't couldn't get behind it?
0: There are definitely things about her I don't like, but I don't think that made me like the show less. It actually made her more fully realize Mm -hmm. because you have to have flaws right oh of course and I think the the real flaw with Leslie you would think that it would be her pride because she is very stubborn Mm -hmm. but I don't think it's that I think it's that she's very demanding a upon others because she's so committed so enthusiastic so determined Mm -hmm. that she assumes everyone will be like this and have the same goals as her yes so she's often very careless with her friends she's very demanding of them Mm -hmm. and sometimes that's great because she's demanding more of people and that's how they've reached their full potential which happens in quite a few cases like april is probably the biggest one April. yes but there's times where she's very flippant with the efforts that they've Given her. Mm -hmm. But I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Like, sure, it's a character flaw in her, but I don't think it's a writing flaw because one of the best things about this show is like when she grows into the like the fully supportive relationship, Mm -hmm. not just with Ben, but with Anne as well. Yes. Both of them, they call her on it. Yes. And that's what makes the show like a step above because when people do bad things. They get called out. They get called out and they grow. Yes. And you see that a bunch with Leslie. And it's, you don't read too much into it because it's a show and people can just talk to people like that on TV shows. Yes. Where if it were in real life, you'd be like, whoa, settle down there. But in this show, it's so well written and thoughtful that she's called out on those things and often realizes her mistakes. Because sometimes when she takes things too far, the people come and apologize to her and As it should be because she's the main character of the show. Mm -hmm. But then she goes like, you know what? I was wrong. And she's uh, culpable for those things. Mm -hmm. And she grows from them. So that's, I was saying that that's the thing I don't like about her. But it's the thing I like about the show because they they take that extra step that most sitcoms would not.
1: See, it's hard to separate Leslie from the show. Very
0: true. Yeah, I loved when Ben or Anne would call her out because she is like kind of mean to them sometimes, right? A little bit, right? yeah. She takes advantage of people a she little does. bit. But I don't think it's ever malicious. She just is so determined. She feels like everyone would have the same determination within them. Yeah. But nobody and, like, physically the can. The same <laughs> wants and
1: needs and like drive, which nobody has except for her.
0: I'm sure we're going to talk more about her, but let's move on to... One of her two true loves. Who do you want to talk about first, Anne Perkins or Ben Wyatt?
1: Let's talk about Anne first, because she's in the first season. Yes. Rashida Jones is, like, awesome. She is. I love her. Um, I think that she did such a good job of... Being the, like, girl sidekick, but also being, like, the love interest to, like, lots of guys on the show. Right. Um, And they did that without kind of shaming her or shaping it like, oh, well, she dates around, right? Right. Like the Taylor Swift thing where she's like no i'm, I'm not familiar with that okay so the media Wait, is this gonna
0: be a big no taylor swift thing no okay
1: so the media basically said to taylor swift when she was like 20 ish was like man you date a lot of guys and she's like if i wasn't famous this would be a normal amount of guys to date it's mm-hmm. only because i'm in the media all the time so i think that they did a really good job of not like putting that on Anne right. for having a kind of a different relationship every season or like going on dates and having kind of a normal life for a young person.
0: Of course, when you bring it up that she's dated a lot of guys on the show, I was like, oh, yeah, I guess. But it never seems like a defining characteristic for her, except for that one part when it was about that, about yes. how she takes on the characteristics of people she dates. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, she she has. But when you also put it out over the, I guess she's in the show for about five, six seasons She dates like five, six guys. Like a person a year is not crazy. No, it's
1: not. It's definitely not. And I'm really glad that the writers chose not to focus on that. But it also like works with the pacing of the show. Yes. She's just, you know, not all dates are true love. And when you're... I'm assuming they're late 20s, early 30s. You know what? You're going to go on a lot of dates. So that's just what people do. And it's really nice to see that kind of portrayed without it coming back on her and making her seem like, oh, what's wrong with her that she's dating all these men? And why is she doing this?
0: And when it was addressed in the show, because it is at one point addressed by Leslie because she gets out of a long relationship and then she's dating like a bunch of guys just here and there. And Leslie brings it up, and Anne's offended, but then realizes it's coming from a place of caring, and Anne explains her point of view as well, and Leslie's like, okay, that's yeah. cool. Yeah. But the one part they do talk about is how she's taking on the characteristics of people she dates. Yes. Which I liked seeing that because I think we all know someone who's like that. <laughs> yes, it's Male just, or female, male it's very or female, common.
1: I feel like everybody has someone like that in their yep, life. Yeah, I
0: definitely know some <laughs> like, people like that. Like,
1: suddenly we're into nascar or whatever like (laughs) you're like you have literally never touched a car in your life yeah (laughs) i
0: think Anne gets a bad rap by a lot of people saying that she's a boring character i think a lot of people don't like her character and i don't see it because i find just her performance itself is i think she's very charming Mm -hmm. but what i liked about her is she's not out there like all of these other characters because everyone is a big personality. Mm -hmm. And she is kind of the audience's way in. Like Mm -hmm. right at the beginning, she's set up as the outsider. She shows up to one of those meetings. She's like, this is all crazy. I just need this bit filled in. She's a rational, relatable human being. And seeing her next to Leslie, who's like larger than life in your face Mm -hmm. all the time. It's a great dynamic.
1: There's such a good balance. Yeah. Because she is quieter, but she also knows how to take Leslie down a notch without being, like, really crazy and out there as well. Yeah. So, yeah, there's such a good balance. And I think all of Anne's storylines are so real, too, Mm because they're exactly something that would totally happen in real life. Yeah, because
0: she is the audience's way, in. she's the most relatable in a lot of ways because she's not a tv character mm-hmm. if anyone on the show seems like someone you could just know it would be her
1: oh for sure yeah. for sure and yeah i i really appreciate that about her
0: and i loved the growth of her character mm-hmm. as well because she was the person who couldn't really find herself and she was often seeking it in her partner yes and having it defined to her rather than by her mm-hmm. and when she comes to the realization like i want a child that's what i want yeah and there's great representations of uh, women who don't want that in the show. So it's not because sometimes I feel like that's a, a lazy writing trope of a woman who can't figure out what she wants. And then she goes, oh, I just want a baby. And then she gets a baby and is happy. Yeah. But there's so much more to it there in this is, case. Right? Yeah.
1: And it's so funny because you have kind of all of those different points of view from women in this show. Like yes. April never wants a child. Mm-hmm. You know, Oof. Amy Poehler, I guess Leslie Nope, Leslie Nope is so busy with other things that she probably hasn't even thought about children. Mm -hmm. And April's in this point of her life where she really wants one. And it's just, sorry, Anne. Anne is at this point of her life where she really wants one. And so you kind of get all of those points of view in one. Mm. And it's really nice to see that they like flesh out like every single point of view and they make it okay for every single character.
0: But I think the, The best thing that Anne contributes to this show is her friendship with Leslie. Yeah. What's a better female friendship on TV? I don't know of one. In most TV shows, it seems like we're going one of two ways, that they're very similar and they're kind of partners in crime and they're doing crazy things together, Mm -hmm. or they're always fighting and you're like, why are you even friends? They're like frenemies. Yeah, and this is so balanced because they do have arguments. Yes. And in each case, you understand both points of view. Yes. And then they always make up like there's that one time when they go out at the snake hole lounge and they're drinking <laughs> snake juice. Yeah. And it's right before the big job interview because Leslie signed her up for this interview without even asking her and can't realize like why she's mad at her. Right. And in the end, Anne comes up like kind of apologizing and Leslie realizes like, no, I was the wrong one mm-hmm. in this case. And it's just, it's balanced. It's thoughtful. And they both just want the best for each other, yeah. but they don't always know how to give the other what they need.
1: And it's so human. And
0: it's the learning <laughs> of what the other person yes. needs that is just uh, indicative of the show itself, right? It's not getting things right at the beginning; mm. it's making mistakes and growing through those mistakes. So yeah, their their friendship is—I said that about Leslie, but I was like, their friendship is what this show's about. <laughs> but that's what Leslie's about too, I guess.
1: Yeah, it's true. I uh, can't imagine this show without their friendship, for sure.
0: Well, maybe now let's move on to maybe my favorite character.
1: Do you have a crush on him?
0: A little bit, maybe. Oh, me too. (laughs) Uh, Adam Scott as Ben Wyatt. And he's first introduced as... Like the villain of the show. Yes. And I loved that. That
1: was such a good entry into the show. Oh, he's
0: doing nothing wrong, but everyone hates him. Yes. That was a a brilliant introduction. Like we were just saying, the show is about getting things wrong the first time mm-hmm. and then growing from them. Yes. Just like Leslie's first impression of Ben is, is wrong because yes. she thinks he's this tor- terrible guy and it turns <laughs> out very quickly he starts redeeming himself and showing what he actually wants and where his true motivations lie
1: yeah and i love adam scott before we watched this um before we watched parks and rec we watched party now we watched a whole bunch of adam scott because i
0: was a big fan and then i showed you one thing and you loved that so i just kept and now i think i just
1: i'm in love with adam scott he's great let's just watch all the things that he's in
0: forever And Haley, Haley, I hope you're listening to this one and I hope you watched Parks and Rec because she hates them. But after this show, you can't hate them, right? I
1: totally forgot about that conversation yeah. until just now. So we had friends over for kind of a, a masked, socially distanced birthday party for Indy.
0: You don't have to qualify it. There was only four of us. It's so. true.
1: Um, but yeah, and uh, we had a huge conversation about Adam Scott. And we I think we convinced Haley to watch... Parks and Rack. I hope so. um And because we just went on and on for like Indy and I together for like 20 <laughs> minutes about how amazing Adam Scott is. Yeah.
0: And how many happy cries you will have in this show. Oh,
1: so many happy cries.
0: Is there any show that you've had more happy cries than this? I feel like you might say Schitt's Creek, but I oh, think Schitt's you're Creek. only thinking of the finales. I don't think no, it happened.
1: I happy cried. All the time, in but Creek. in this
0: one, there's at least one per season. Yeah, it's more in this, I'd say.
1: Yeah, um, I think that there are like touching moments and stuff in Schitt's Creek that get you more than just in the finales. True, but there are such like heartwarming moments that like you almost like tear up in this show just because, because you just like love everybody yeah. so much. <laughs> Which I feel super dorky saying that, but it's just But it's so
0: true because we were just watching the episode where Ben is at the Unity concert and he gets to see his favorite band, Letters to Cleo, (laughs) which is also very funny that he... That's... It's not that it's bad music, but I I just love that that's his character. Um, When he gets to see them and how happy he was, Mm -hmm. we both were just audibly excited (laughs) for this fictional character to watch a band he likes. Yeah. That's how great this show is at getting you to not just understand but truly empathize with Mm -hmm. these characters i felt excited for him yeah i don't listen to letters from cleo (laughs) but you just love how happy ben is
1: you just like you become so attached to these people that you just want the best for them and when they get it like ben standing on the side stage like singing along to letters from cleo and she winks at him and it's just like We were both just like, ah, like as we were sitting there. That's the
0: sound I made. And I'm not joking. I think I did. I think
1: we both made that sound. And like we're clapping and like it was it was a moment on our couch. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it just like you just want the best and you just want everybody to end up happy.
0: Because that's what all of them want. Yes. That's what everyone wants. Uh, Even everyone who argues all the time, they want the best for each other. Mm -hmm. With a few exceptions, perhaps. Yes.
1: (laughs) I love that Ben wasn't a super manly, macho, handsome dude. Yes. Like Chris Traeger.
0: He's perfect for for his role and yes. for Leslie. Yes,
1: and I think that too many times shows and like sitcoms and stuff will give the leading lady this storyline where the only person that's right for her is the super handsome macho guy.
0: But then in those ones, quite possibly Amy Poehler wouldn't be the lead as well.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So this is so perfect. It goes really well together. And it just makes you feel like everything is right in the world. This is high praise.
0: I was just finished saying how Anne is like the only normal person you see on TV. Ben is. Yeah. Ben is the most normal kind of average person you can think of. Mm -hmm. And when I say average, I don't want anyone to take that as meaning bland. I mean, he's not a He's not a jock. He's not a wisecracking goofball. He's not a jerk. He's a normal guy with the emotional intelligence that I wish more people had. He's Mm -hmm. able to reflect on the mistakes he's made because that is a big driving part of his character is he was mayor when he was very young, (laughs) ruined everything. And that informs all of his decisions to this day. And that's why he's so buttoned down so by the book because he's just trying to make up for the mistakes of his past yes he's uh nerdy he's unabashed in his love for leslie and for his friends as well he's hard working and he's so supportive of his wife a few times i felt like that wasn't always great because it was it seemed uneven a lot yeah of his sacrifices but If that's his choice, then that's his choice. And you can't say you're sacrificing too much because he was the one who gave up the job when he took full responsibility in that bribery scandal and he lost his job and Leslie was able to stay. When they were going to run for governor, he stepped back at the last moment because he thought it would be a better fit for her. He's, yeah, yeah, he's very Mm self-sacrificing, but I think he's very thoughtful in those choices. Yeah.
1: He could always work at the accounting firm.
0: Oh, yeah. The one that's tried <laughs> seven times to hire yeah. him.
1: <laughs> I think, yeah, I think that it's such a good match to Leslie Nope. And I think that their relationship is just so sweet. Yes. And it's such a good start, like, when they're sneaking around and, like, can't let... Um, like city management no, and it's just funny all of the situations they find themselves in but yet it doesn't seem so far-fetched
0: yeah definitely and with the show starting how it did one of the perhaps unintentional benefits is it gives these relationships time to grow yeah people aren't best friends in the first couple of seasons but you get to see those friendships grow and this romance grow as yes. well and it takes an appropriate amount of time mm-hmm it's not episode two, they're in love, right? It yes. took a full season to get to friendship. Yeah. And it's, yeah, I loved the pacing of the uh, the seven seasons of this.
1: Yeah, it wasn't the same season over and over again.
0: No, It wasn't no.
1: like, oh, this time it's Anne doing something wacky, and this time it's Ben, and this season it's, you know. And it. I think that that is so great because some sitcoms that go this long, tend to then fall back on just the formula right like someone's in love with someone else and this goes wrong and this happens and someone moves away and it's like that everything every single season
0: i also love that ben isn't a particularly commanding screen presence mm-hmm. because any lead male they tend to kind of take over scenes that they're mm-hmm. in, and i think that's the writing that's the directing that's all of the history of cinema that we've grown with, right? <laughs> yes. That's what we're expecting. Yeah. So that's what we get a lot. And it was great for me because i you might find it hard to believe I don't particularly identify with most of Brad Pitt's roles or anything what? like. That. <laughs> yeah, what? but I love to see <laughs> Ben being there and being a supporting character. And like every sense of supporting, mm-hmm. right? He's there to support this show, to move the plot along, and to support all of the characters as we went. And he's just <laughs> such a likable guy.
1: Oh, I love, I love that character, and I wish there was more of that in like cinema.
0: And he's a great demonstration of Leslie growing up. Yes, from her infatuation with Brandanowitz. To finding someone who is not a complete yes man and supporting no matter what. But he will support and do anything. Mm -hmm. But he also calls her when she's taking things too far.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I think that's what everybody needs in their life. Right, Indy?
0: You're taking this too far. (laughs) Shut it down.
1: That's what he says to me all the time. Yeah, I'm
0: always shutting things down.
1: (laughs) And pointing.
0: The only thing I shut down is your butter consumption. (laughs) And even that not shut down, I just like decreased it by 20%. (laughs) (laughs) Still an unhealthy amount of butter.
1: I can't help it. It's so good.
0: Hey, no one's denying how great butter is.
1: (laughs) Back to the topic at hand.
0: I didn't exactly write down things about Ben's character, but I wrote down a few little notes of things that happened. Remember when Leslie wins the election and he had written the speech for her and then she says like, "Oh, I, one day I want to read that concession speech that you wrote. And he said like, oh, I never wrote a concession speech. <laughs> See, you're crying right now. That's how good it is. Ugh. Remember his proposal in the house because you think he's going to be moving away, but yes. then he comes back? And
1: then he comes.
0: Do you, you see the box?
1: Yeah. It was like a necklace box.
0: It was the box when he first made her a button for running for city council. It was in that box. Was it was it? the same box.
1: No! <laughs> <laughs> So we're not watching any more movies for this show. We're just converting this to a, a Parks and, and Rec shows. podcast. Are you literally crying, right No, I'm not <laughs> Oh, my God. But the thing is,
0: uh, I get it.
1: <laughs> okay, I'm crying like a little bit.
0: It was so good.
1: Ben's my favorite.
0: They're my favorite. Like, the combination of mm-hmm. them is so good.
1: Oh, absolutely, yeah.
0: But yes, also Ben is my favorite. Oh, I also loved Every Now and Then. It wasn't nearly as much because they're both... Uh, secondary characters I guess but when you get to see the friendship moments between Chris and Ben
1: oh I love them too yeah
0: they were really fun we didn't get to see much of it they but were it was
1: such an odd couple yes too <laughs>
0: and actually when you mention it like that very much like Anne and Leslie mm-hmm. one is kind of um normal logical and one is just extreme everything yes and they balance each other well
1: <laughs> well we'll talk we'll talk about Chris traeger later but
0: Let's talk about Chris Traeger.
1: Chris Traeger is like Mr. Extreme Health. One of my favorite moments, which we watched tonight, was um, when he was like, I'm dying of tendonitis. <laughs> yes, yeah. And then...
0: My body is a microchip, a small grain of sand could throw the whole system out of that. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. And Anne comes up to him and is like, so like, why? what triggered your tendonitis? He's like, well, I did 10,000 push ups last week. <laughs> She's like, yeah, that'll do it. It's just little moments like that where like characters realize that they're being ridiculous, but they're not like overly ridiculed for it. It's yes. just like little learning. They're moments.
0: just reined in. Yeah. And that's what that's why Anne and Ben are so important in the show.
1: Exactly. Yeah. They rein in those really big personalities.
0: Samantha, that is a literally the best point you've ever made. Yes. That was my Chris Traeger.
1: I really like it. Yeah. And thank you.
0: Can you do? How about you do a Leslie?
1: I don't know that I can.
0: I'll do a. You know, uh, I only have one. Damn, Samantha! That was the best (laughs) point you ever made. Is that a good disease? Yeah, I think it's not. That was a
1: really good disease.
0: I think Rob Lowe as Chris Traeger is another character that a lot of people really disliked because he is—he's a big character. He's over the top. He's in your face a lot. I still liked him. I don't know. I I completely understand people who are like, oh, he's just always so positive and. I guess that could be annoying. But in the show, it's addressed of like, why are you like that? That's not normal. Yeah. And then he has this little story and it's it's heartfelt like like everything in the <laughs> show. And it makes you just understand where he's coming from. And maybe it's that empathy I have for him that makes me less critical of, of how obnoxious he could be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And again, it's coming from a good place. Yes. So it's hard for me to dislike someone who's that enthusiastic about making every moment count. Mm -hmm. Like, I can't be angry at someone for that.
1: No, and it's so nice to see how he kind of rallies people, too. Like, he picks up the mood in a lot of scenes just by being who he is.
0: Yeah, you could probably say outside of Leslie, he's probably the biggest influence on April and Andy and how they grow as a couple and as characters.
1: Exactly, and he's also kind of... Kind of like Ben in that he is very moral and he does the right thing. And like when he's saying like, oh, well, you can't date your boss. And like, then they're sneaking around. It's very much out of a good place.
0: Yes. Even in the scene where I think they're at the courtroom and Leslie is taking this very personally because her relationship is on trial. She could lose her job. And... Chris takes her aside and explains, like, this is why I'm doing it. Like, you did this, you did this. And he seemed hurt by it. Yes. That he was lied to. He's not a, a an evil figure in any mm-hmm. stretch of the imagination. We got a scene where he was, like, the bad guy of the scene. And yet, how it was delivered, it worked only to humanize him. Yes, Which is a very impressive thing to do on a writing standpoint.
1: Yeah. It was so well done like his character everybody's character but especially his character it was so well done and it just made you like i don't know think about how annoying it would be to work with him but how awesome it would be to have him to like pump you up if you worked with him right and i think that that is like some of your favorite co-workers
0: yeah and like so much of this show He's a character, when you first meet him, you're put off and it's too much, but then you get to learn who he is, why he's like that, and you grow to love him, I think.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. He is such a good addition to this show.
0: And like I've said five times already about how this represents the show as a whole, but (laughs) what represents the show as a whole more than not liking someone because of your surface differences and then getting to know them and realizing that they have their your best intentions at heart. Yeah. That's Parks and Rec too. Chris Traeger also is Parks and Rec. <laughs> Everyone is.
1: Everyone is Parks and Rec.
0: <laughs> Can you tell I don't have a thesis for this one no. like I do for the movies? It's just blind praise everywhere yeah. is what I have for this.
1: Everyone is great.
0: Yeah. I'm going to pull back the veil a little bit from our... Magical podcasting world. We just took a little break. I got up and went to the bathroom. And when I came back, Samantha was just looking at just headshots of the cast. <laughs> and when I came by, she just showed me her phone and said, Look at how great they all are. <laughs> that's how, that's the effect, that's this, the show effect this show has. That's I'm how good like, it is.
1: Obsessed now. Right at the beginning of the show, we meet Andy Dwyer who falls into a pit and is in full leg casks casts, not casks, and um, is making his girlfriend, Anne Perkins, wait on him hand and foot.
0: That's another character who, at the beginning, and he's kind of a jerk.
1: Yes, because you find out that he's kept the leg casts on like a month more than he needed to.
0: Just so he could get waited on. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly, and so he didn't have to work. So towards the end of the show, you get... um. Way better version of Andy. Um, he's like a successful musician. He's doing really well in life. And he has a lovely wife. And everything's looking up for Andy.
0: I think we need to talk about them together almost. Because mm-hmm. that is is the growth for both of their characters. Yes. So what about April when you first met her?
1: Um, I really understood April's character. I think... She seemed like someone who kind of failed her way up into this job and, like, because politics or, like, administration is so bureaucratic sometimes, it's impossible to fire people. You have people who are very incompetent at their jobs or just don't care. And now I sound like I'm talking from experience
0: oh your coworkers are gonna listen to this and they're gonna be angry
1: um i'm not talking about my current job i love my current job but um i've definitely worked with people who i'm like why are you still here because you seem to hate everything about this job
0: i get that and i work with children mostly and i was like how were? how did you just come upon this like this takes a certain type of person and you're not it
1: yes exactly and it's just like it it boggles my mind to have coworkers like that but it makes a lot of sense in this show that there would be somebody in the office like that. Right. Um, because I feel like there's somebody like that in every office and I think that she was such a good character because she's like exactly the opposite end of the scale from Leslie who's like let's do this let's do it yeah right. Parks and Rec and Aubrey Plaza or April Ludgate is like why <laughs> 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 and then just looks at you grumpily. Yeah, And uh, so I thought that that was another really good kind of end of the scale for Leslie because they end up having a very lovely friendship. And Leslie fights tooth and nail for April to like finally see that she has some potential. It might just not be the potential that she thought. Mm-hmm. And um, really kind of supports her as she kind of struggles to figure out what her path in life is
0: yeah and i think that's where andy comes in and also where april comes in for andy Uh when i started watching it with you i thought one thing that wouldn't hold up is andy and april getting together because they make no sense really if you just look at their two characters it makes no sense that the two of them would ever even be friends Uh let alone have a, a happy marriage so I didn't think that would hold up. But when I watched it more closely, I think it absolutely makes sense. And yeah. it's also kind of brilliant. Yeah. Another quoted term I'll use a bunch now is millennial. We have... What What's what are the stereotypes about millennials?
1: Um, They're always on their phones. Mm-hmm. They only care about having fun. Mm-hmm. If things aren't fun, you know about it. And they're very self-centered. Sure.
0: That characterizes both April and Andy before they get together.
1: Yeah. They
0: are they are the millennial couple. They are also a new model for a successful romantic relationship. Yeah. And I thought at first like, oh, we just it's TV, that's why it works. But the care that went into it, I think I didn't appreciate on the first watching. So, it's a very different Set up to Leslie and Ben because theirs is all about shared interests and support and being like kind of that power couple. Yes. That's what they're about. Yes, and they're great at it, and it's amazing. I think it's one of the best I've ever seen on television. But it is a model we've kind of seen before. Mm-hmm. This one is so new and different. And maybe not different that it doesn't exist, but it's definitely not represented in TV and film. So their greatest thing is, I think, that they get together and they don't stagnate. They don't remain who they are. They don't revert into some sort of rut, which we see on so many romantic comedies. Mm -hmm. It's a relationship and like, oh, they get married and then they just, um, they stop caring. They stop taking care of themselves personally and they stagnate and they live in that rut. This is the exact opposite because both of them who were kind of the least driven people, April definitely is, Andy is driven to a different thing every second and a half. He's like a puppy, right? He is like a puppy, yeah. But somehow the two of them with their opposite yet complementary attributes drive each other to to grow. Mm -hmm. So this is like a new model because they're millennials, if we want to use that word. They're not interested in having kids. They're not taking things seriously. They're not concerned with traditional success markers. Yeah. And that's always seen as a negative. And before they get married, it definitely is. Yeah. Leslie's frustrated with with April, maybe Andy as well, because she doesn't recognize... That success for these people is something very different from what success is for her. Yes. And this show doesn't belittle them and say that, oh, he's just some layabout, she's apathetic towards everything. It allows them to succeed on their own terms. They do what works for them, and they're completely free from expectations. They do—I guess I just said that, but they succeed on their own terms— And all of these things that we took as annoying and the negative side of like the millennial stereotype at the beginning, it flips once we start viewing them from their partner's point of view. Mm -hmm. So all of these things are now great. They don't put pressure on each other to find jobs. They encourage each other to leave what we would consider a successful position to follow their heart because that's what's more important to them. Mm And they achieve exactly what they want. And no, it's not being president and having triplets. It's having a job that gives them enough money to maintain their home and their dog. And that's what their success is. And I love that this show has that outcome. And it's not the butt of a joke. It's not like, oh, they're childless and just have a dog and they can barely scrape by. It celebrates that. They found exactly what they want.
1: They did. And it makes sense for them. Yeah. I really loved um, that like Ben and Leslie are adults when they meet and they're adults and they interact and live like adults like independently from each other. Mm -hmm. Whereas April and Andy didn't become adults until like years into their relationship
0: i think you could argue that they're only an adult together
1: yes they are each half of an adult adult, (laughs) and then together
0: they can kind of be an adult yes
1: and i think that um i loved the i loved the season um when ben was their roommate oh right and he kind of you can see him really trying to like teach them life skills (laughs) yeah and i think from ben's point of view it's because he like doesn't know how to handle them and so he's like maybe i can try to help them and that'll be like good for them (laughs) um but for them it's like they fight him on it and then they realize that it's like it's kind of just him showing that he like loves them and that he wants them to do well
0: and the resolution of that episode oh man i've Sometimes I worry that my memory is too good for things that I don't need to remember, but then I can't remember any dates. (laughs) That's that's my job. (laughs) The resolution of that is... They go to the store and April's like, no, we're not going to do all this. And Andy says, like, you know what? Maybe we should do all of the things that Ben was talking about. But then he also says, like, but if you don't think I'm going to buy this marshmallow gun so I can shoot you in the face with marshmallows <laughs> while you're sleeping, you're the stupidest woman on earth. <laughs> so they find that balance. They do what they need to do. They grow where they need to grow. But they do it within the comfort of of each other. Yeah. And it's beautiful. And I don't think I've realized that the first time I thought it was like a funny odd couple that gets together and like, oh, there's slackers. That's funny. But there's a lot more to it than I think I realized the first time through.
1: Yeah. And I think that they add so much to the show because they make everyone else seem so functional. Right. And they really bring you back to the fact that like everybody is human. And I think that the show really benefits from the fact that they grow up throughout the show.
0: Mm -hmm. But not all the way. It's not like we go from their first season and then by the end, they both have office jobs. In fact, there's a point where Andy does get a really high paying job and he's wearing a suit. And April says like, is this what you want? Really? And he says, like, well, no, but this is what you're supposed to do. And she's like, no, we're doing this on our terms. We're not playing by society's rules. We're playing by our rules. We only need to be there for each other. Fuck everyone else. (laughs) And then he, I think, then goes on to be Johnny Karate. Yeah. And is the most successful version of himself. But he is always himself as is April.
1: Exactly. And that is so representative of the show as a whole. Andy and April are Parks and Rec.
0: (laughs) There you go. See, you get it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, They're so great.
0: I know this is all just complete love fest, but I think one downside, I do think April goes too far and her character goes too far a couple of times when like how mean she is to Anne. And she is like outright cruel to a few people at some points. Yeah. Which I think sometimes they're a little too far, but you know, it's a pretty small... Small flaw in a pretty much perfect show.
1: (laughs) (laughs) True. Very true. So I feel like that leaves one more big character to talk about. And this was a character that I knew kind of without having seen the show was Ron Swanson.
0: Right. Yeah, he is kind of bigger than the show in a lot of ways.
1: And I think it's partially because Nick Offerman is kind of Ron Swanson just a little bit, yeah. To begin with. And I think that like he and Megan Mullally have like a woodworking show and they have a podcast and they like, they're so funny together, but he is so much that Ron Swanson character just in real life.
0: Do you know, Um, I think his name's Jim O'Hare, who plays Jerry Gary Terry. Yeah. He auditioned for Ron Swanson originally. Oh, that would weird. Yeah. In interviews he said like, no, the right person is playing that role. Like you couldn't do it without without Nick Offerman. And yeah, yeah, he's correct.
1: I one of the things I super loved, and again I'm gonna say like this is so the show is so real Is that there's a guy who works for the municipal government who hates it, who hates government, and is, like, literally just doing the bare minimum, um, but is actually a really good leader. And he does a really good job of, like, sneakily pulling the strings behind the scenes.
0: Yes. Yeah. His leadership... Is non-existent for the most part, but sometimes it is there and it's very subtle.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And I think um, he plays a very mean saxophone. Yeah. Does Nick Offerman actually play saxophone?
0: I don't know. I want to say no, but I'm not sure about that. Ron Swanson is a tough one because he is probably the character most people name as their favorite. And I I understand why. He's a very funny character. But I'm having a hard time like really summing it up outside of just telling you who he is. It would just be me, me saying like, remember this time, remember his pyramid of manliness or whatever it is. <laughs> but I, I think
1: forgot about that. <laughs> if we
0: want to be a little analytical about it, I think what we can say is that although representative of kind of a more traditional idea of masculinity and manliness, we still get a character who is very warm. At the heart. And you don't, that sounds crazy because of how he carries himself. It just takes longer, but he is uh, an incredibly caring, warm person. Yeah. And he doesn't fall victim to any of those things that we now call toxic masculinity. Like he's all of the good noble parts of old school masculinity without all of those. Toxic bits.
1: Yeah. If anything, his ex-wives are the toxic part. Yes, definitely. Of his character. Oh, the oh, two Tammys.
0: Him <laughs> and his true wife, Mega Mulally, as Tammy 2, their interactions are just... I don't have anything like clever to say about it, yeah. but they're crazy and they're hilarious.
1: They must have had so much fun just being, like, sparring on the show. Because, like, they are so cute together in real life. I have, like watched YouTube of them and stuff and like I've I've listened to their podcast a little bit and they just seem so awesome and they seem like the couple friends that you want to have. Yeah. But in this show they're completely the opposite and they must have had so much fun filming all those scenes where they're just being like awful to each other.
0: One of the things I know about how the show was made is they would shoot a scene and they would always leave some space to then do the scene again but with improv. Right. And a lot of those made it in and a lot of them are great. And that's why I said earlier, uh, months earlier, but last week for you listeners, that this must have been the most fun show to work on.
1: Oh, I bet. I bet. Because, yeah, you have all of these actors who all do improv or like most of them do improv. So they are going to come up with some incredible stuff just like on the fly because they're so good at it.
0: Maybe my single favorite line Uh, humor-wise, because, of course, there's all these things that make everyone cry all the time. But this one-off line about was by Chris Pratt, and it was an ad-lib, an improvised line. And somebody is sick, and he's looking it up. And he says, oh, Leslie, I think you might have network connectivity issues. (laughs) That was the funniest thing to me. And that was (laughs) one of those... After the scene had been shot, they did some, like, uh, improv scenes.
1: Yeah, and I think that, that it just added to the charm of the show. Cause mm-hmm. It felt very much... It felt less scripted, and it felt more, like, just of being in an office where people say weird things, and sometimes it's, like, actually hilarious.
0: It's hard for me to quantify this, especially if you've never written or acted but this show has a great balance of both writers and performers creating the character together yes and it's hard for me to explain like well how did that happen but um I don't know trust me it's there
1: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know trust me it's there um can I also say how weird Nick Offerman looks without eyebrows
0: oh yeah (laughs) or a mustache or a mustache when he came in after the first time he gets back with Maybe that was Tammy one, where he has to shave his mustache and everything.
1: I think it was Tammy one. Yeah, yeah. And he comes back without facial hair, and everyone's like, "What?"
0: <laughs> or conversely, that time he came back from being with Tammy two, and he has cornrows, and the middle of his mustache is gone. Yeah, and he said it rubbed off from friction.
1: <laughs> <laughs> He's just so deadpan in the whole show, except, except for when he giggle. giggles. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, it's so perfect. It's like those bosses that you have where you're like, oh, they're just not a fun person. And then you get these tiny little glimpses into the fact that they're like interested in things.
0: And when he did break his his facade, that was so endearing. Like how he loves puzzles. Yes. Like that whole bit. And he was trying to hide it and play it cool and be Ron Swanson. But no, he just loves puzzles.
1: Yeah, oh, Ron Swanson is Parks and Rec. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, yeah, you know what? I think you said that half as a joke, but the idea about putting on a facade, projecting a strong image to the public, and then having these vulnerabilities underneath, and then finally meeting the people, both in Leslie and then his uh, fiance I think maybe wife at some point, in those meetings, he realizes that I can be my vulnerable, true self. And when that happens, that's also like, that's such a great growth and character moment. So yeah, yeah, Ron Swanson absolutely is Parks and Rec. Love it. And I think a lot of people talking about this show will boil it down to like, well, Ron Swanson is right wing and she's left wing, but they find common ground. So therefore, we all can. And I I think that's... Uh, superficial and very dismissive and simplistic for what actually happens here because ron although is a libertarian i don't think he would go into a lot of right-wing things because Mm -mm. that's not who he is right hates the government he believes in like yeah no government and all that but i i I also don't really want to talk about the politics of ron swanson because i feel like there's probably ten thousand podcasts out there that did that yeah but what he is is a caring human being so i don't think you can say like oh see it's cool to be a republican you everyone needs to just get on board and get along because i think what current republicans are are not caring human beings who want equal opportunity for everyone which is what ron swanson is yeah so I think that saying that this is an example about of bipartisanship is not completely accurate. No, because I don't agree with that. What it is, is two people who essentially want the same thing. They yeah. want what's best for everyone, but they just look at it from different points of view. That's what it is. Yeah, And I guess, yeah, that is an important message that if you're working towards the same goal people have di- very different methods of getting there and it is important to to listen to one another yeah. and have that mutual respect but also that that respect isn't instant and it took a long time for them to to gain that
1: you said it so well <laughs> i yeah
0: i tried to like read up on parks and rec because we actually stopped watching it over a month ago so did, i kind of yeah. forgot a bunch and every article is just about the politics of ron swanson and how we can all be We can all get along and this is bipartisanship, which I don't think is is accurate.
1: No, I think that you missed the point of the show.
0: (laughs) I think that's that is like a point of it is like people from all walks of life getting together and uh, working together. Yeah, but I don't think it's very applicable because uh nick offerman often when people will say well ron swanson would do this he like yells at them because nick offerman is is quite far left as well (laughs) yeah
1: he is
0: (laughs) as is ron in a lot of ways just not financially
1: so the last kind of three people i want to talk about are kind of a group of people oh who's that um donna tom and jerry terry larry
0: (laughs) Donna is a fun one because she started out as almost like an extra, really. She didn't really talk much. No. And then also becomes a fully fleshed out character. And I love that even she has a turn. It comes much later, but she's kind of... Her only interest through seasons one through maybe even five is her Benz. That's all she cares about. Yeah. And then she finds a partner who she describes as like being the craziest guy, but it turns out he's just like the nicest human ever. He's just yeah. a really nice teacher. Yeah. But to her, that's crazy. And it's scary to her. Yeah. Because different things are very scary to different people. And to her, like Ron Swanson a little bit, it's being vulnerable and being with someone who is that caring. That it was something so new to her that it was, it was kind of scary for her and... She was sabotaging that relationship, but then she as well eventually grows to the point where she can accept and give that love, which is what this show is all about. Donna Meagle is Parks and Rec.
1: (laughs) Yes. I feel like we should be taking a drink every time we say that.
0: (laughs) Oh, I have been. Oh, have you? Have you not? No. Well, your beer is gone.
1: Uh, Oh, I guess I was. Yeah, there you go. I just took a lot of drinks when we were talking about Leslie. Um, so with Donna, um, comes her favorite treat yourself partner. Oh, yeah. Um, Tom Haverford. And I think that Tom and Donna are so ridiculous
0: together. I love that friendship because it wasn't established early on, but then we kind of get glimpses into it. And they have so much in common, which when you think about the characters, you're like, oh, yeah, I guess they do. But they present it very differently, perhaps.
1: Mm -hmm. And um, I just think that they're so, like, wacky, and they offer these moments of, like, comedic relief without having to, like, steal the scene. Again, their relationship is so... They connect on certain things. They don't connect on everything. But I think that the things that they do connect on just make them seem like so much fun. Like, I'd go out to the club with Donna and Tom.
0: And I think it would be crazy. (laughs) Tom is possibly the person that took the longest to grow up, oh, even sure. with Andy and April, because their grown-up version wasn't totally different from their, like, adolescent or whatever you want to call that. They just had to kind of focus on their version of success. With Tom, we don't even get this idea of him as being, like, a mogul and all of that until maybe season three. It's something that comes about later, But still throughout, he's, he treats women very poorly. Yeah. So it's hard to be on his side. And I think that's okay. Yeah. Not that it's okay how he treats women. I think it's okay because he's bad about his relationships and how he treats people, friends, and romantic partners. Mm -hmm. But he grows and acknowledges the mistakes of his past. And what... Is the show about more than that? Tom Tom Haverford Haverford is Parks and and Rec.
1: (laughs) Oh, God. If you're still listening.
0: (laughs) I don't think anyone's going to listen to this. And frankly, I'm fine with that. I just wanted to talk about this.
1: Mm, I'm going to cry again. Um, So the last person that really stands out to me in the show is Jerry Gergich. Sorry, who? Larry Gergich?
0: I'm not familiar
1: terry gargach
0: oh gary gingridge yeah oh yeah i also thought it might be funny that you i would just say who and then move on and cut it the rest of oh, this all out because no. that's that, how appropriate would that be
1: remember how he has a hot wife <laughs> Yes, <I do. laughs>
0: and a hot family really
1: oh yeah right he has those three blonde daughters yeah. too Um, That was one of my favorite moments that they kind of ran throughout the show was anytime Jerry was, like, with his family, everyone was just, like, staring at him like, what? (laughs) (laughs) How? (laughs) And you could, like, see it on their face. And he's such a, like, pure soul. And he just, like wants to do the best and help and I feel like I legitimately felt bad about the way that he was treated on this show.
0: That's very interesting because I do this bit on most of the scripts I write. I love having one character that everyone just shits on all the time and they're the butt of every joke. And it's funny because it's so excessive and sometimes they'll be like, wait a minute, I wasn't even in this conversation. It's all directed at one person because it's a uniting force for many characters and it's just easy comedic relief that you yes. can throw wherever. But this takes it to the next level because because all of the characters in the show are are so likable mm-hmm. that we get to the point where you're like, wait, this is mean. Yeah. Which you wouldn't get you on feel like, like comfortable. Yeah, on other shows you wouldn't get because everyone's just kind of a dick all the time. Yeah. But here it stands out as being excessive. And I love how they make it more palatable, and it's that Gary actually has the best life out of anyone. He's actually the happiest person there. We get into the seventh season, and you get to see, like, everyone's deaths, essentially. He somehow, like, lives to, like, 140, and he was the mayor of the city, and has, like, all of these children and grandchildren great great grandchildren he gets everything he wants yeah so people always question like how do you live like this with everyone saying these things to you living with this job that's menial and you get no respect and he's like well i got everything i want and he does he does he has everything he wants and it's it's kind of beautiful to see
1: yeah And he just, like, rolls with it, too. And it's just like, okay, well, I guess my name is Larry now.
0: Yeah. Yeah, he's this example of something we didn't know we needed an example for. Like, when life just shits on you, you know what? You just kind of go with it. Yeah. Find joy in the things you find joy in. And maybe some parts aren't as great. You know you can go home to that family that loves you, your hot wife, and (laughs) your... 30 grandchildren at the end of the exactly. day. Right?
1: And it's just so, he just adds this like sense of purity to the show almost. Mm-hmm. And he's just so reliable and like, oh, I want, I want a Jerry in my office.
0: So you can just make fun of all the time. I want that too. It's not allowed in offices anymore. Oh. Not like a year ago when I made fun of everyone. <laughs> <laughs> before the talk with hr Uh,
1: oh god um no i just like i just want someone who's that happy and that like dependable
0: dependable on how he's gonna mess up no matter what happens yeah (laughs) i loved when ben befriends him and they go on that date together in like the carriage and they go for massages
1: and then because leslie's too busy yeah yeah
0: and eventually maybe like a year or two later ben comes out and says like i don't care who knows it jerry is my friend (laughs) and then I think everyone kind of attacks him and then he does something dumb and they all just laugh at Jerry again. But then they, we know that yeah. Ben likes him. Yeah. And that was sweet. Yeah. Every time we start talking about one of the characters, we then instantly start talking about their friendship with one of the other characters. Yeah. Do you have a favorite friendship in this show, Leslie and Anne?
1: Ben and Chris.
0: Ben and Chris.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Because they're so opposite. <laughs> it's like, it's hilarious to see how opposite they are.
0: I think the Leslie Ron one is my favorite. Leslie
1: Ron? Yeah, that's a close second for me, for sure.
0: I know. I think we said it a couple times, but you could say that that friendship is the driving force of the show, right? Because they are always in conflict, but coming back to the same point. And that that cycle goes over and over again, but it doesn't feel repetitive to me. I think just the friendships in this show are what it's about at its heart. Like I was saying that... The characters are great, but they're nothing without each other, right? It's about these friendships that grow sometimes unlikely, but everyone has those moments. And it's about all of them are always trying to take care of each other. Like you were saying about the the treat yourself. Yeah. And it's great with Tom and Donna. But the one I loved most is when Ben was so depressed and he's out there eating soup on a bench and they take him with them. And he buys that Batman suit, and they all want to laugh, but they're actually trying to cheer up this guy, who they don't really even know at this point. Yeah. And Ben cries and just says, I really needed this. Oh. That was such a beautiful moment. And I, I know it's ridiculous. They're getting acupuncture. He's wearing a Batman suit. They're all over the top. But it was so human.
1: It was so human. Everything about the show is so human.
0: Or that time when Leslie and Ron have battling like Boy Scout Girl Scout. I think it's the Pawnee goddesses, and I can't for this some sort of scout system. Yeah. And Leslie essentially wins, and she gets carried away in her own thing about winning, and she doesn't take into account the feelings of others. Mm-hmm. And all of Ron's Boy Scouts come over to her side, and she gloats. But then she realizes that Ron actually had a vested interest in this. He cared about this job. Mm -hmm. He cared about those kids, and she took that away from him. And then she creates the Swansons. (laughs) Yeah. Remember that? And then it's about those kids that are tough as nails, and they don't need all the pampering, and they're just going to live out in the woods. And I think Ron says something about, like, all right, let's go. You're going to hate this, or something along those lines. And... You get to see that although Leslie does get carried away with her own competitive nature, she wants what's best for everyone. And as did Ron, who is this really steely, cold guy, but he actually took a lot of pride in helping these kids out, right? And they both realize what really matters at the end of that episode friendship yeah or the bachelor party remember oh, the rotating bachelor party god yeah that was brilliant and like how often do you get to see a group of i think it's five guys all very different and they're having their bachelor parties and it is completely free of all of those terrible stereotypes yeah it's just about these men enjoying their company and admitting that like yes we love each other
1: yeah and it was beautiful Oh, it was and it was so it was so sweet to see men not competing against each other right and for a moment just having the same kind of relationship that a group of girls in a sitcom would have right like it wasn't gendered it wasn't like they were giving up their manliness. They were just friends having a good time and having like a silly moment.
0: It was all about lifting the other person yeah. up and doing it on their terms. Because this rotating bachelor party, it would be whatever that person wanted. And people didn't get upset about doing things that are out of their comfort zone because they're doing it for their friend yes. to show their love. Similarly, we have the Galentine's Day. Right. Although Leslie was a huge Valentine's Day fan, she always made time for her female friends and tried to lift them up at any opportunity she could.
1: Yeah. And you can tell that that made her feel good. Yeah. Right. Valentine's was just about as much for her as it was for the friends that she did all these really nice things for.
0: Yeah, I think what makes Park and Parks and Rec better than pretty much every show is is these relationships. Like, you might not always remember the plots of certain episodes, but you remember the relationships between the characters and how they lift each other up, okay. how they interact with each other, how they make each other feel. And it's it's really easy to translate that to the viewer, because it's not every show that can make you feel like every character is a friend of yours. But that's what Parks and Rec can do. And that's why the performances and the writing and the show is just, it's great.
1: Yeah. You're just like killing it with all of these speeches. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm just like, that was fun. Remember
0: that Leslie Nope speech? Yeah. Oh, that was her speech that she gives when writing for city council. It's one of the best speeches I've ever heard. Oh, I know. I saw somebody post that as a rebuttal to our premier here in alberta and Mm. it's very very fitting like you don't if you love someone you don't hold them hostage you don't say these things you don't threaten all this Mm -hmm. and yeah it was it it was such a good speech there's so many more things i'd like to talk about but i guess we don't really have time but one thing i did want to mention do you have a favorite guest character because i definitely know who mine was
1: (laughs) um who is yours indy
0: Paul Rudd as Bobby Newport Jr. Oh my
1: god, yes.
0: He was so good. I'm and so I dumb. loved his character because he's like the villain, but he doesn't know it. And that's such a funny bit to play. And Paul Rudd, I do think, is just very funny and charming on his own. And this was such a good role. And I love that he was in it for almost the whole season. I, I don't have any analysis on this. He <laughs> was just great. And their interactions were great. And I loved at the end... He was like, "Wow, that was really good," and he like applauds her and everything like <laughs> yeah. that. And yeah. when they run the attack ad, he's like, "That made me feel bad. Why would you make me feel bad?" <laughs> he just doesn't get it, and is
1: he he's literally a child. <laughs> yeah, it was
0: it was so funny. I yeah. liked him a lot. Also, I love Perd. Perd happily. Oh, what's yes. the you heard with Perd? You or heard. is it what's the word with Perd?
1: I think my favorite character was um. Oh, what's the news lady
0: shauna Malway, tweet no mo collins as joan Calamazic? Joan
1: calamazoo
0: yeah
1: Uh so my favorite character was joan calamazoo who like has a serious drug and alcohol problem <laughs> and is somehow still the face of tv news and funny
0: she was hilarious
1: i uh, every time she was in a scene she just like knocked it out of the park yeah and, like, how the TV news would still go on even though she'd be, like, slumped in a chair and, like, asleep or passed out. <laughs> yes. And
0: then Ron would just show you how to weave or something like yeah, that. Yeah,
1: exactly. No, and I think it's little characters like that that bring kind of levity. Um, but, again, like like I said, they don't distract from the main purpose of the show. Right.
0: See, now I just want to talk about all those little side characters. <laughs> even someone as much of a throwaway character as Shauna Mulway-Tweep, she gets an arc. She does. And it was actually a very good one. I would love to see what's going on with her when we're not with her. Because yeah. she's gone through some bad relationships and then starts making some very bad choices. And then starts like being like, you know what? I have to look into myself for a little yeah. bit. And even that, there's they just pay attention to everything like mm-hmm. that. Nothing is just a throwaway joke. It's it's in service of something greater.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: The other thing I really love is whenever we hear townspeople yelling. During my career of working in libraries or in public services, people yell about something that... Is not relevant that you have no control over, and is frankly kind of crazy. But there's so much of that in this that I really loved it. Like just someone coming into the Parks and Rec office with some pottery and saying, "Like I made this. It's terrible." (laughs) And you're
1: like, "What? What? Why is this Parks and Rec?" (laughs) Yeah,
0: and their interactions with the public seemed like one of the most true to life things to me. But I guess that just shows my interactions with the public yeah often getting yelled at for things that aren't true and if they were aren't in my control
1: (laughs) (laughs) it's true it's uh it's fun because everyone like especially the townspeople are so true to life like there's the there's some like very polarized characters like the um the super christian couple and the like there's like moms who pop up occasionally and they're just like very extreme and it's just because you can't show all like however many residents are in the town they do a really good job of playing up those stereotypes of what people would be like in a small town in Indiana
0: I did like the final seventh season but I feel like the season six finale would have been the best place to go out on yeah Yeah, absolutely. At the end of season six, Leslie gets that national job she wanted, but she's able to relocate it into the same building. (laughs) Yeah. So she gets exactly what she wants. We get the reveal to everyone about Duke Silver. We have uh, the reunion of Mouse Rat, letters to Cleo's there. We have Bobby Night Ranger, which I think I tried to explain to you why it's so funny, but... It's a very niche joke. There's a lot of really niche Indiana jokes, like with (laughs) Detlef Schrampf and all the Bobby Knight jokes. And that would have been such a good way to go out. Of course, I want more. And I don't think season seven was bad, but like, there's no better finale than season six.
1: Everyone's in it. Everyone's happy. That finale really seemed like the way it should all go out. Right? It was like, the culmination
0: of so many things that had been building to that point. yeah, and we get to see them all realized in one festival. And it was jarring to go from that to season seven, which takes place three years later and is quite different tonally, yeah, in a lot of ways.
1: It's like nice to have that little check-in with them like with all your characters. but it felt like it was just a little bit too gratuitous.
0: The seventh season? Yeah. It seems like it's kind of addressing Foucault's panopticon, but maybe we shouldn't get into that. I
1: don't think we have time to get into whatever that is.
0: (laughs) (laughs) About like um, surveillance and imprisonment and how they go hand in hand. And while the panopticon was like a literal prison, in this case, it's uh, social media and grizzle. But anyways, yeah, let's, let's not. I think what I didn't like about it was the scope of things. Mm -hmm. up to this point everything had been very local and that was the success of the show it's always about leslie loving her hometown yes she always wants to be there like the first episode i think was about fixing a swing or maybe they go back to that at the end but it gets so big because maybe leslie's president i think ben's a senator or something like that everything is so much larger and it got focused on the big picture and not those, the individual people as much. Yeah. It was still a good season, but it's kind of like why I don't like presidential shows or the, the royal shows you love so much they're they're much more detached and they're about the titles and those types of shows of success mm-hmm. while the first six seasons are all about those little battles yes and I feel like I kind of lost that and that kind of lost what the heart of the show had been for many years before
1: yeah I agree with that I think it was like I said it was gratuitous it's kind of what the fans maybe wanted to see
0: and saying that, they're not wrong because at the end when we start getting to, getting to see like the distant future of where all these characters go, oh, I loved it. Yeah. Because I wanted to spend more time with the characters and I wanted to see what happens yeah. to them. You
1: want to make sure that they're okay before you leave them behind.
0: Very well said.
1: <laughs> well, thank you. Um, but yeah, I, I could definitely have left it in season six. It would have felt very abrupt, but I don't know... How much more seeing them seven years in the future or 10 years in the future? Or like a
0: hundred in some cases.
1: (laughs) I don't know how much that added to my experience other than giving me more time with these characters.
0: That's exactly it. I don't think it adds to anything, but I'm glad it was there because I wasn't ready to be done. Exactly. I did love those smaller finales. They were very good at having each season finale be something really special and they were much grander than the rest of the show like the harvest festival was one and we get crane shots which we never got before yeah. then a uh, little sebastian's funeral
1: that giant stage
0: <laughs> the song which i love so much or that episode where andy and april go to the grand canyon
1: right
0: like those small moments of something being within their world But still grand? I think that's as big as the show should be. Yeah. It should be as big as one of those big concerts where it is still this community. It's not about worldwide recognition. It's about this community succeeding, Mm -hmm. but in the biggest way that it can. And those were my my favorite episodes, some of them. (laughs) One other little thing I have to point out is... Before watching this, I mentioned something about Genuine, the singer, and you didn't know who that was. And I was and I, of course, said, Genuine? You don't know Genuine? Genuine. Which now you get because that's what Aziz Ansari said when Leslie Nope didn't know who Genuine was.
1: Yeah. I identified with Leslie Nope in that moment because I did not know who Genuine was.
0: Genuine.
1: <laughs> no. Okay, we got it. <laughs>
0: So do you have any thoughts to wrap up our love fest for Parks and Rec? Besides, let's go watch it now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you're going to love it. And then you're going to want to watch it again. <laughs> no, I think that everyone should see it. And it's amazing. And um, I didn't go into this show just thinking that it was going to be this amazing.
0: Is this like a 10 out of 10? I love it. Oh, yeah. Wow. Like
1: a 12 out of 10. <gasps> I did it. <laughs> You've done it
0: before. Oh, maybe a league of their own you loved a lot too. Yeah, that was
1: pretty good. But it's, not as good as this. It's, it's no parks and rock. <laughs> what is? Not much. Not much. Um yeah, no, I I think that the feeling that this show gives, like we kind of compared it to Shits Creek earlier. I think it's very similar to that where it's this world where oddball characters are allowed to be normal and are allowed to kind of be themselves without having to kind of come up against very strict normal characters like air quotes normal i think that this makes it so great to watch because it's it's so nice to see those weird little oddities that they come up with and i think that makes everybody feel a little bit better about
0: themselves absolutely like this is a show about people who who find their passion And pursue it with unabashed enthusiasm (laughs) and with their friends who may not agree or even understand them, but still support them. It's what we want everything to be.
1: Mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah.
0: In a world where enthusiasm isn't ridiculed, it's celebrated and it gets the results. Yeah. And I know um, people want to have something light to watch. Like, you need a TV show that's kind of funny, that you don't always have to fully pay attention to. Maybe you just put on at the end of the day. And people say, like, oh, I love Friends because it's light, and I can just put it on. Oh, it's funny. And like I say with so many things on this show, they can be better. Demand more of those shows. Mm -hmm. A show can be funny and light, but still smart, clever, uplifting. They can make you feel good about the world and yourself. They don't have to be cheap and racist and misogynist. They can be idealistic and heartfelt and truly connect with you on an emotional level and still be that light, fun show that you just watch every now and then. Yeah. So anytime I put down a show and people say like, oh, it's just something light and fun to watch. It's great to have, but those things can be better. And that better is Parks and Recreation.
1: That's so true. You said it so well. I, I just want to live in Pawnee
0: yeah yeah (laughs) and I feel like I have
1: just from watching the show oh yeah actually yeah no I definitely think that while we were watching it I it was a place you retreat to to feel good and I think that's so important to have and we're gonna watch it every day forever right sure
0: as long as you don't get sick of me walking around singing 5,000 candles in the wind
1: forever Such a good song. We happened to watch like two episodes from completely different seasons, and they both had that song. And I definitely asked you if you had picked those episodes because you knew that song was in it.
0: (laughs) I had been singing that song before you'd ever watched the show, so at least it makes more sense now. And also the pit—that's a good one. Sex hair. So many good songs. Okay, I'm gonna stop because I could just talk about so many other little things.
1: I know, I know, me too. So if you loved Parks and Rec as much as us, you can tell us all your favorite things. And if we were, if you disagree with anything that we said, and if you uh, have some clever insights to add to our little love fest here on our show, uh, you can find us at iltys and the number two on Instagram. And Twitter. And Twitter. And you can find us at I Love This You Should Two Podcast on Facebook. And you can email us at I Love This You Should and The Number Two at gmail.com.
0: You know one thing we never say is rate and review. Because nobody rates and reviews the show. I think we have one ever. Um we have five. Do we now? Yeah. Oh, did you finally rate our show? Yeah. Did you...
1: Five stars.
0: All right, thank you. It only took a year. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I was busy doing other things. <laughs> I don't rate a review like anything on
0: iTunes. Yeah, but you're in this one. I,
1: I know. I sh- Five stars for okay, myself. Okay, thank you. And five stars for you.
0: And for you, the viewer. And we'll see you next time when we'll have a couple of spoiler-free reviews for our Things of the Week and Samantha will tell you what we are going to watch next and you know what it is already next week
1: christmas
0: it's we're starting our christmas episodes yes. so it'll be all maybe not explicitly christmas themed but the big movie will be i assume she's looking blankly i'm gonna take that as a yes yes but it'll definitely be like holidays <laughs> and winter themed stuff like that
1: yeah so we're gonna we're gonna slide right into that holiday season and we'll see you next week With your favorite Christmas sweater on. (laughs) Goodbye.
0: Bye, everyone. Let's go get some waffles. (laughs) So much whipped cream. That's one thing.